89.9 The Light. This is In Community Conversation with Clayton. It is so good to be with you. You're a part of the show as well. Any of our guests this evening, if uh, you want to ask a question, you can. 0428 899 899. That is the text line. Just text that question through. 0428 899 899. And joining me as we um, get to the very end, today's the final day of Men's Health Week. We're going to be sort of framing uh, Men's Health Week for, for most of our program this evening is the author of the new book, Faith, Death and Pills. He was the uh, former board chair of Common Grace and one of the co-founders. In fact, we were having a chat uh, to the current CEO of Common Grace last week. Nick McKay joins me. How are you, Nick? I'm very well, thanks, Clayton. How are you? I'm doing uh, really well, thank you. And it's wonderful to have a, a chat to you tonight as well. So thanks so much for coming on and, and being a part of the show. Uh, let's talk a, a bit about this uh, book, first of all, and it, and it tells a story that we do want to certainly get into, but maybe even before we get to that, tell us a little bit about your background, about uh, life for you, uh, I suppose, before we even get to the, the, the start of what, what you talk about in this book. Sure, sure, no problem at all. Uh, so, gosh, where to start? Uh, I'm originally from Melbourne, uh, grew up out in the eastern suburbs. I, um, I was uh, a non-Christian for much of my life, in fact, up until my kind of mid-20s, um, even though I was involved in uh, organisations, uh, helping to start organisations like the Oak Tree Foundation, which, um, which is a Christian organisation, but I was the, the resident non-Christian. Um, and... Uh, and I've, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey, I think, particularly the last kind of 10, 15 years um, of my life coming to coming to faith, but then also facing um, some pretty major challenges, both in, in getting to a point where I felt I, I could actually believe in God and actually, you know, accept that, that this thing is real, um, as well as then... Yeah, as I said, like in my in my own life, facing quite a few challenges and having to reconcile mm. um, what it means to be a person of faith and yet not be free of troubles, yeah. um, which should kind of sound obvious, but but I don't think always is. You know, yeah. there there can be a perception that um, as soon as as soon as we uh, we get saved, as as uh, people say in certain certain circles, um, that everything is is smooth sailing, and in fact, it can be it can be the opposite, and that's that's actually okay. Like it can, I think, part of my kind of uh, journey and, and the lessons I've learned is that it's it's through it's through some of those struggles actually that uh, that we learn some of the greatest lessons and, and certainly for me I, I feel like I'm I, f- I feel like it's actually been a real blessing but um, yeah the last the last few years have been tough and um, and I'm actually I'm just back in Melbourne after um, three and a half years in South Africa so my, my um, I'm married to a wonderful South African woman um, and uh, and we met over there we've been back and forth but we're living in in Joburg for the last kind of three and a half four years I've got two kids um, that are um, currently alive, one who's um, who's since died, and we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Um, but I've got a yeah, I've got a five year old and a, an eight month old who are currently in the midst of their night routine. So um, anything could happen That's in the right. background of this conversation. <laughs> I'm just warning you and your listeners, it, and it could be delightful and it could That's be true. a complete nightmare. So we'll just see, we'll see what happens. That's okay. I think one of the things that we've, we've certainly learned here at this radio station over the last little while where we've been uh, distancing. So, uh, you know, a whole lot of uh, various shows have been done out of people's houses. We've had a whole lot of kids joining the program uh, very unexpectedly a lot of different times. Uh, that, that, that is perfectly fine. We, we're definitely family friendly in all, all of what it is. Um, look, thanks so much for, for sharing a bit. I think it's helpful for us to understand a, a little bit of some of your background. Let, let's talk about this uh, book, Faith, Death and Pills. It's um, a mm. rather 
dramatic title, I must say, I mean, which is what I, I know titles are supposed to do. I think it's you know designed to make me pick that book up as I, I, I walk past it in the bookshop. Uh, can, can, let's start some of that story. We sort of don't want to, you know, we, we want to go through this in the, the right way. So take us through, I suppose, sure. even, even the desire to write a book and then, and then start us on this journey of what you shared during it. Yeah, no problem at all. I'll give you the I'll give you the overview, and then we can get into some of the the detail. Um, in terms of desire um, to write a book, I had none whatsoever. Um, my my wife wrote a uh, wrote her own book, which is brilliant, um, not too many years ago. And after that, she said to me, "Actually, I, I really think um, I think you should write a book." And my initial response was, "That is never going to happen." Um, and then I think she mentioned it to me a second time, and it was actually I. I there's been few times in my life. I mean, it happens. That's happened every now and again where I feel like um, uh, God is putting something, you know, so clearly on my heart, and I and I, I can hear not necessarily His voice, but certainly um, I can hear a, a voice. I kind of I believe it's the voice of the Holy Spirit telling me something. And it's funny that the um, uh, that the title came from that. So I, I actually got like I feel like I received the title even before I'd started writing anything. Um, And it was really interesting because that kind of framed um, for me, even before, you know, even without my kind of intention or or, or my, or my kind of will, what this book was going to be about. Um, But through the process of writing, certainly the the details of it and the kind of journey of it changed and evolved quite a lot. So it's basically a, it's the story of the last 15 or so years of my life. Um, the, the first part on faith is my, my journey to Jesus. And as I said, I was a, um, a, a kind of devout agnostic for a long, long time. And I had lots of barriers um, around um, doubt, um, uh, doubts and, and, and the kind of the, the big questions, I guess, of faith that sometimes we uh, as Christians don't do so well in engaging in, um, or perhaps we feel like at times, we shouldn't, um, and yet, in some ways, it was through that process that I actually um, came to faith because it was like, I don't know. I think I needed to get past those or engage with that in order to to really um, grab hold of of, uh, of this thing called faith. Um, and the second part, then, on death, tells the um, the story of the the birth and the death of our first child. Um, so um, our our first child was a, a daughter. Her name was Zinfle, or we called her Zizi for short because Australians love um, nicknames. Um, and um, and Zinfle, which is um, Zulu for beautiful one, um, was obviously asking a little bit too much of certain people's pronunciation. <laughs> um, so uh, so then we went with Zizi. So she was born. Uh, four and a half months prematurely. So for anyone listening who's had a baby or has, you know, a wife with a, who's had a baby, like that's uh, she's born at 23 weeks and five days, so literally on the cusp of life. Um, and she spent three months in intensive care here in um, in Melbourne um, and then eventually died in May of 2013. And so the second section is really about my journey or our journey with, with her. Um, and the final bit on pills, um, I think, is... <sighs> probably most topical in some ways for, for tonight and, and for this week um, in the sense that it, it tells my journey with uh, with grief, with healing, with not healing, uh, with mental illness, uh, with depression and anxiety and, um, and medication and all of the kind of um, struggles I think that can come uh, when we face a, a really significant life event. Um, and and particularly, I said particularly as men, and I think even more particularly as Christian men, don't always know how to respond 
um, or to deal with that in 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 the best way. Um, I, I don't think that there's any. I think I've said before. I don't think there's any one right way, but I certainly don't think that there are wrong ways. Um, and I and I've tried plenty of those wrong ways. So um, part of part of the book is to illuminate some of that and and try and draw out some of the lessons across all three of those kind of themes um, yeah. that I've that I've learned over the last little while. Look, we, we're going to spend a bit of time talking about, uh, you know, the, the death and the pills part uh, as well. Mm. But I don't, I don't want to skip over the faith part. Um, and maybe we yeah. just spend a moment now as we talk about that. You, you've, you've alluded of a course. couple of times to the fact that, um, you know, part of your journey was, um, you know, very much a, a, a opposed to God and, and a, you know, standing well away from him. And, and it was later in life that you said, look, actually, this Jesus guy is real and I'm going to follow him and, and these sorts mm. of things. Um, take, take us through, I suppose, briefly. What was what were the moments that actually changed you on that? Was it somebody? Was it something you read? Was it a, was it a, a moment to, uh, that you, you had? What was the thing that actually started changed you in that path? I, I think it's probably as, as for most people. I think it's kind of a um, a, a series of things. You know, I feel like. Um, uh, at least for me, and I know for, for, for many others, it's like these breadcrumbs that kind of lead us on the journey to faith, and and, um, and some we might not even realise um, along the way, or might not recognise until later. Um, but there were certainly some things that were more significant than others. I think one was kind of like um, was my time spent in um, in South Africa, um, and part of that was like I think it took me away from. Um, the Australian Christian context, which sometimes is awesome and sometimes is not very helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and what I mean by that is, I guess there was there were personal elements of that. My sense of like, um, I don't know, judgment or what other people would think if I'm if I'm you know suddenly becoming a Christian after you know so many people knowing that I definitely wasn't. Um, I also think that uh, at times within the Australian church there seems to be. Um, a lot of focus on um, what separates us Christians, you know, whether it be by denomination or theological perspective and, and not enough focus on what actually brings us together um, and this idea of being united in Christ. Um, and in, at least in the South African context, I think that was very different because as I, uh, I I would speak to a lot of people there and say, you know, you're a Christian, what denomination are you? And people would look at me blankly mm. um, because it's just not a thing. Um, and then I also kind of had um, my now wife who was... Um, probably the best <laughs> the best possible example of like somebody living their faith um and when um and when we first um got together i was still not a christian um and uh and and but just watching the way that dawn lived her life and to see that this thing was like it was real and it was kind of it was tangible um uh it it, it took away any of the kind of preconceptions i had of like well, what I perceived as being hypocrisy and, you know, the, the Christians might say this thing or the church might say this thing, but then they do something different. And look, we're all guilty of that at some point, don't get me wrong. But I, it was really powerful and confronting to be kind of witnessing somebody living their faith so tangibly. Um, so I think that was really critical. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't actually until I came back to um, to Australia that I made the decision um, to, to become a Christian. And I think probably the key thing there was... Um, Realizing that it was okay to doubt and to question. Um, I always used to think that like, and I still do, I have all of these questions, you know, and I think we all do about life and faith and, and, and you know, who, who God is and why things are the way they are. And, and once I became a Christian, I felt like I had to almost like check my mind at the door you know, and not engage because then that would be, a, or not question because that would be a, 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 um, an indication that I was lacking in faith. And so a big part of my journey 
post my salvation moment, but I think really critical to my sense of actually being a Christian, was realizing that sometimes doubt can actually be faith in action, um, and that if we if we come to God with our questions and if we come with a sincere heart, then that's actually the you know, it says in the scripture that we're supposed to love God um, with with all our mind, right? Not just as well as obviously our heart and our soul and our strength, but like our mind is a critical part of that. And I and I do believe that part of loving Him with our whole mind is engaging in in the kind of in the doubts and in the challenges and in, in the mystery. And even if we don't get the answers, sometimes asking the questions is the most important thing. Um, and certainly. In terms of the growth and development of my faith, I feel like every time I've gone to God with uh, a sincere heart and with a and with a deep question, I've always come out not necessarily with an answer, or at least not necessarily the answer I wanted, but always with a deeper um, sense of knowledge and understanding and closeness to Him. And so I think that's been a key part of my my journey. Yeah, it's wonderful stuff. We're going to be talking a bit more uh, about this incredible book that Nick has written, uh, Faith, Death and Pills. Um, and it's great to hear. Uh, the, as you, you mentioned, Nick, that idea of doubt to me is something very important as well as we, we explore it so often unlock so many more things for us. Nick McKay yeah. uh, is my guest. He is the author of Faith, Death and Pills. Uh, this is the end of uh, Men's Health Week. And so we're going to talk a bit more about some of the uh, quite remarkable things that Nick has gone through and had to overcome uh, in the next couple of minutes here on 89.9 The Light. This is In Community Conversation with Clayton. You can text through your questions for Nick as well. The, the text line 0428 899 899. That's 0428 899 899. More with Nick next. In Conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light. This is Positive Radio In Community Conversation with Clayton. And my guest this evening as we talk about Men's Health Week is Nick McKay from nickmckay.com and also... Uh, recently put out the book Faith, Death and Pills. We've talked a little bit about the faith part and Nick's journey to understanding Jesus and uh, accepting him in his life, especially uh, since that was very uh, much the opposite of his life uh, up until that point. We're going to talk a little bit more about the other parts of this book that you've put put out. And as you said, Nick, sort of covers off the, the past 15 years of your life or so. Let, let's talk about the death part. And I think this is the one that mm. um, certainly uh, is so hard to talk about, I would imagine. Um, but take mm. us on, on, a, on a bit of that journey, if you would. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, and it's uh, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. I, I totally agree with you that uh, death is one of those things that um, I, I think we find hard to talk about as people um, and, um, and as humans. And I think that's kind of natural and understandable, um, but also strange um, in the sense that uh, it's the one thing that we all know we're going to experience at some point. Um, and particularly as Christians, I think it's... Uh, it, it is. It strikes me as strange that we're not good at talking about death, or a lot of us are not, um, because it is through death and through the death of Jesus that we um, have a new life. And so we also kind of like um, there is something powerful and 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 uh, and and quite profound about death, even in its pain and and its challenge and its um, uh, and the grief that 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 it, that it brings. Uh, so. Part of the reason, I guess, for wanting to uh, to write about the particular experience that we have with our daughter and and um, and her death was that I felt like 
more people needed to be talking about it and and that um and it was it was kind of funny only not really funny that like in the aftermath of um so i mentioned my anyone who who might be just tuning in i mentioned earlier that um our first child uh, our daughter zizi uh, was born uh four week four months rather premature um and uh, and spent three months in uh, the neonatal intensive care unit here in melbourne and um and then and then died and it was it struck me that in the in the kind of aftermath of her birth, which was kind of quite traumatic and unexpected, uh, but then also her death, the number of stories that that came out from uh, friends and uh, and other kind of peop- other connections and and and, uh, and people in our in our life that we thought we were close to, and yet we knew nothing of the sort of challenges that they'd been through, particularly in the process of childbirth. And so, you know, stories of uh, people who had preterm, uh, preterm babies or, or, or um, premature babies like, like ours um, was, um, many who weren't born as early as easy, but, but nonetheless premature, um, people who had, who had, you know, tragically had miscarriages or stillbirths or um, they had, you know, I, I remember a, a colleague telling me about how his wife giving birth to their first child almost died and like in the end everyone was fine. But it's just like this, in the, the process, you know, particularly of, of bringing life into the world is uh, rarely as it appears in, um, in the movies. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, again, like p- probably part of the motivation for... for trying to for writing about this it was definitely my own kind of journey of healing and and very cathartic as i got to 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 write about um the the beautiful and and the and the really sad elements of of her life and death but it was also because i felt like it was um it was strange that that we don't do we don't talk about this more openly and and more often and i I think if we did then it would be uh, a good thing um for, for for us all um, and I think, you know, that's part of why we wanted you on uh, today as well as we, we talk about Men's Health Week, that, that this is so much a, we often talk about the physical side. Hey, guys, go and get a checkup. You know, don't be don't be too blokey for yourself. Go, go and do the doctor, yeah. these sorts of things. But we, we've started talking perhaps about the mental side um, and yeah. we, we're talking about that more and I think that your, your journey is a part of that. And, and it's also the spiritual side, um, which I Absolutely. think is, is valuable. So here is your daughter, you know, under 600 grams at, at birth and... <laughs> Um, and then the, these decisions that you had to, to make and, and go on. Can, can you take us through some of, I suppose, um, you know, I mean, we could probably talk for hours, but but the, the <laughs> idea of, of just some of the, the grief of, I know there was two key decisions that you had to actually make, yourself and your wife, and um, and then the living with those decisions. I suppose that's the thing I'm really interested in. So if, if you could talk <laughs> us through the decisions and then maybe I, I'd like to spend a bit more time talking about the living with those decisions. Wow, um, it's a beautiful question. Um, sure, I, I think like uh, I think the decisions you're talking about. Um, uh, the first one was uh, deciding to to let her live um, because, as I said, when she was born so early, she was really on the cusp of life. Like uh, as a general rule, uh, doctors don't resuscitate babies before 24 weeks. The reason is for that is that the lungs are one of the last organs to develop. And so they, if they're born as early as Izzy was, uh, they can't breathe on, the, uh, on their own. Uh, they need uh, ventilation, mechanical ventilation, uh, and that requires intervention, right, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so um, I, I think why that was such a critical decision is that... Uh, <laughs> When we, we knew that we had to make that call, or, or at least that it was a possibility, because we had some 
um, forewarning that things were not working out as we as we planned or as we'd hoped, and and so when it came down, to, but when it came down to it, we had a, a matter of kind of days to to really make that decision. And you'd think it would be from a kind of uh, traditional Christian perspective, you would think it would be easy, right? Like we we believe that um, life is created by God. That um, a, a lot of Christians, and I totally respect um, uh, that people are on different sides of this, but a lot of Christians are, are very much pro-life. Um, uh, there's more kind of division around that in places like the US, which I think can be quite harmful. But there's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But I guess like um, it would, you would think, I guess that as a Christian, it's like, well, obviously you resuscitate. You know, you, you that's the, that's the right thing to do. Um, but the the reason it was a hard decision, or we thought it would be a hard decision for us, is that it's um, there are real consequences of of actually choosing to to resuscitate. Um, you, you are talking about. When, when babies are born that early, their, their chance of actually living and living without significant um, physical or, uh, or, or mental or um, uh, issues is, is very, very slim. Um, and it's, it's like five in a hundred um, of uh, that, that, that will, firstly, it's like incredibly rare that you're born that early, but then of the, of the, the, the babies that are, um, it's, a, it's just a tiny percentage that actually make it through unscathed. Um, and so when you kind of really consider the weight of that um, and uh, it, it, it becomes harder or you would think it would um, because you're dealing with, this is not just like a, an arm's length decision anymore. You're talking about your own child. Um, and I think that was one of the more confronting things for us is that you can have your, your position on these type of um, uh, really challenging and at times controversial issues. And, and that's important. That's fine. But I, I think that there, there's something to be said for people who actually have to make the decision themselves. And uh, when we were there, I could I could totally respect um, people, faith or not of faith, looking at the, the, the statistics and being like, wow, I don't even know if it is actually fair and reasonable to, uh, to, to give, like to put our child in this type of mm. um, medical situation where she's going to be literally fighting for her life every moment from the time she's born um, against all odds and with huge medical intervention and all of this, right? Um, and yet... Um, when I, when my wife Dawn and I actually got uh, to that place, the, the decision wasn't hard at all. I felt a sense of like great peace and also great hope um, that God gave me in that and Dawn in that moment where we were totally united in the fact that uh, while all of the odds were against uh, against us and against our daughter, there was nonetheless that 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 chance of of, uh, of everything going well. Um, and and it was on that basis that we thought, you know, we we decided for us um, we uh, that we wanted to to give our, our daughter the chance of life. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm so pleased that we did. Like, I mean. Um, the fact that she survived the first <laughs> the first night was uh, was pretty touch and go, uh, and then you know getting through the first week uh, and it, all these little milestones along the way where uh, where uh, you know the doctors would be saying to us, you just got to like just be um, careful not to get you know too hopeful uh, mm -hmm. in the sense that you know this is still really serious. But I am eternally grateful both for the. Uh, the kind of conviction that, that God gave me 
personally in that moment and the fact that he that he uh, that he spoke in the same way to my wife because that sense of unity I think as a couple was just so critical and was one of the greatest blessings that we had through that process because I can only imagine and I know it does happen where you know you've got parents who who aren't on the same mm. page about a particular decision yeah uh, that was the first one. Yeah, and, and we, we may yeah. pause just for a moment, and we'll come sure. back to, to hear the second uh, decision. Of and, and and this is a, a decision of um, such immense um, importance, and one that obviously you, you're uh, is so difficult to make. So we'll be back with Nick McKay in just a moment as he talks about that second decision. You, you can ask any questions of Nick as well. The text line zero four two eight eight double nine eight double nine. In conversation with Clayton. This is 89.9 The Light, positive radio. Wonderful to have your company in Community Conversation with Clayton. You can text any of our guests, any question you'd like on 0428 899 899. Nick McKay from nickmckay.com and also uh, author of the new book, Faith, Death and Pills, is my special guest. We're halfway through hearing, Nick, uh, this remarkable story that you have of your, your child that was born um, uh, 24 or under 24 weeks um, prem uh, made the decision to actually uh, you know resuscitate and and, and keep uh, your young daughter breathing which was uh, you know for some controversial in itself uh, and that was a, a tough decision and as you sort of talked about for people of faith maybe they might not think that was easy but there was a lot of a lot of things that went into that um, you were talking about a second decision you and your wife then needed to make yeah sure um, so as I said, we, we made that decision at the start of her life to, um, that we, we chose life really for, for her. Uh, and the three months that followed were a roller coaster, um, to say the least. Um, lots of ups and downs, uh, and, and every sign that, you know, she was going to pull through and then, and then, you know, significant steps backwards. Uh, but eventually, um, towards the end of the three months, we really, uh, her, her lungs just, uh, weren't, um, developing as they, as they needed to in order for her to breathe by herself, um, and, um, and ever make it out of hospital. And so the, uh, the doctors, basically said to us, well, now you've got to make the other decision, which we knew was a possibility, um, and that's the decision to, to, uh, to turn off her life support. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was... Uh, that was... <laughs> Equally hard and equally of, um, equally clear in a strange way. As I said, like you know, one of the greatest blessings I think was that for Dawn and I, we we were both my wife Dawn and I, we were both like totally in unity in all the all of the decisions that we made. Uh, but yeah, the decision to to turn off life support was obviously very distressing. Um, but um, at that point, was the only way to go. We'd been quite. Um, uh, uh, I want to say radical in <laughs> the types of medical intervention that we had been willing to pursue because we felt as though um, it was necessary to give our daughter every chance of life. However, um, we had, had really tried to put a line in the sand and say, like, if at any point this no longer becomes in her best interest and it actually becomes more about us um, than about her, then that's it um, because you know, we can't, that's the line that we will not cross. And so we got to that point um, and we made that decision. Uh, the really quite remarkable thing, I guess, about it was that I, the whole time that she'd been in hospital, there'd been, you know, um, prayer and not not just us, but like, you know, uh, Christians from uh, members of our church, Christians around the world, around the country, around the world, like just incredible um, stories of the church really coming together as one um, to, to, to support us. Uh, and I'd always kind of had this, this sense that uh, either uh, God was going to 
uh, intervened with his power and miraculously hear my daughter at the point at which the medicine ran out, which is where we obviously got to, um, or he was going to exercise his sovereignty um, and he would take her um, to heaven to be with him. And so right the way up to when we turned off her life support, you know, we were praying and believing for a miracle. Uh, and we uh, and we turned we turned off the life support. She was supposed to last about uh, twenty minutes, maybe an hour, breathing on her own. Uh, and uh, and two hours in, um, she was still breathing. Uh, to everybody's surprise, so uh, we uh, we called her in this room, and myself, my wife, and some of the doctors. Um, and we we're like, well, let's just call in all of our family and like close friends who are waiting for us, you know, expecting that we're going to come out in tears because she's finally um, uh, she's finally died. And, and we were like, no, no, come in, like come come up, come hold her, come spend some time with her because it was the first time in her entire life that she'd been free of all mm. these cords and and buses, you know, that that are um, that premature babies need. Um, so we basically had a party, like on on uh, and you know, brought in food and his music and uh, the whole thing. It was just remarkable. Um, and then four hours after we turned off the, the life support she um she died um in in my arms i felt it's a um terrible experience i never wish on anyone where you actually feel the life leave um uh, someone's body um and so I, I take her and i hand it to my to my wife um and she starts kind of like unwrapping the the, the muslin cloth that we had around her um and then suddenly um she her body like it had 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 uh, like all life had gone, her body, her skin was completely grey. Um, and then suddenly, like from her feet all the way up to, to the top of her body, she starts changing colour mm-hmm. again. Um, and then she takes this enormous breath, like it's literally the first time that she's um, that she's ever breathed um, properly. And and she came back to life. Oh. Um, so it's just, so all of a sudden we're like nobody knew what to do um, <laughs> with themselves because here's the kind of um, the miracle that you that you pray for and that you believe in, but but it, it's actually so confronting when it really happens. Um, and so we're like, well, this is incredible. Like all our prayers have been answered. We have this child who seemingly died, but now she's come back to life. Um, let's take her home. And so we did um, because we have an amazing doctor. And he said, yeah, take take her home. Um, and and nobody really knew like for how long this was going to be. Um, and we had this beautiful kind of time at home with her. Um, but then another four hours later. Uh, it was. It became clear that this was a, a kind of temporary um, extension of her of her time on Earth, uh, and she eventually she um, she eventually died uh, with us uh, at at home, and she got to actually see her room, which we'd prepared for her, which was just beautiful. Um, and so I guess, like uh, in that, it, it, it was a kind of beautiful death, which sounds contradictory, mm-hmm. um, but I think death sometimes can be. Um, and what it taught me in that moment was that uh, God isn't 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 just powerful or sovereign. He, he he's actually both. Mm. And so, and that's what we experienced in that night. We experienced His miraculous healing power that enabled our daughter to come back to us um, for a period of time. And yet, He still exercised His sovereignty and ultimately took her um, mm. home to be with Him. Uh, and that was a it was an incredible privilege to kind of have that experience. Um, and it's something I've ha- hung on to. Uh, I, I think my challenge though at times over the last kind of seven years since her passing was uh, reminding myself of that. And, and also I think recognizing that even when you have acceptance um, over the fact that, you know, God has in his sovereignty has made a decision um, and that, you know, he, in this case, he's taken our child um, uh, uh, from, from us. It, it's one thing to accept it. 
and it's another to kind of fully reconcile it um, mm. in yourself uh, and be okay with it. And so that's been my challenge uh, uh, in, the, in the time since she died. Yeah. And we want to explore that a little bit more in a couple of minutes' time as well with Nick McKay from nickmckay.com and also uh, author of this new book, Faith, uh, Death and Pills. We're going to be back with Nick in a couple of minutes' time as we explore some of those questions, some of that um, back and forth, some of that challenge uh, of mentally coping um, during the next period of time here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light, this is Positive Radio. Nick McKay from nickmckay.com and author of the book Faith, Death and Pills is my special guest this evening. We're having a chat during this Men's Health Week uh, about some of the you know the full-on things that occur in life. And as we've just heard, uh, Nick and his wife had to make that decision to uh, turn off the machines for their daughter who was born so premature and, and the remarkable um, up and down journey of the next few hours even and the beauty that you've been able to describe through that as well, Nick. Uh, a couple of questions I especially want to ask. Um, you know, my mum yeah. passed away last year and and, and as you, you sort of said, uh, thank you. And, and, you know, it's in those moments where I go, well, you know, she lived a life um, and yet you've, you've had a situation where, you know, just a few months for, for your your daughter and and I had that same moment not obviously holding mum but I was holding her hand as she passed and yeah. those final breaths and and I find it so hard knowing she's lived a, a, a full life um, now yep. coping you know there's those moments that are that are, that are coming and yet she lived a life your daughter never quite got to do that in, in any way more than three months and always in hospital and always with the the plugs and the tubes and everything else um how do you I suppose um, battle that is that something that you're you're able to just go well God took her and that's fine or, or is that a struggle that you go back and forth on and and question and, and debate and, and get upset about how does that work for you <laughs> that's a great question um, I think um, I, I think our journey the, the nature of our journey was that I, I was so kind of um, God had been so so good and so present with us um, during the time that, that Zizi was in hospital. And I think that was a lesson too, in the sense that like, it's often when we go through those really painful um, times that, that, that God is perhaps even more visible, um, you know, and, and that's just one of the beautiful things about him. Uh, but, and so he, he had spoken to us in, in a bunch of different ways and, and really given us assurance, um, particularly through scripture. He, he, uh, I had this, this verse that just kept coming back and back time and time again. It's now actually um, tattooed on my arm to get um, along with um, uh, with my daughter's left footprint, which we took mm. the, day, the day before she died. Um, and it's John 9, 3. And it basically tells the story of how, how Jesus heals a blind man. Um, and then uh, the disciples are asking him, you know, what caused him to be blind? And, um, and Jesus said it was neither his sin nor his parents' sin, but this happened in order to um, so that the works of God could be uh, could be fulfilled. And so we really had that sense that, like, whatever the reasons for for, for our daughter being born uh, as early as she was and and going through what she did, that it was neither her fault nor ours. Um, and that was very very powerful and and critical for me because I think that particularly as a parent you know and and when you have your child in that type of situation or really any loved one right where you feel a sense of of kind of um guilt or potential guilt you know responsibility so being almost like released of that was was really helpful uh and as I said I kind of witnessed the power and the sovereignty of God in in those final hours of her life and so I I was I had reconciled I guess like intellectually maybe uh the fact that she was that she was gone um but none of that means that death is easy 
you know, and I think a lot of times, like we we quote scriptures um, that aren't um, uh, that that aren't <laughs> either in part or at times that aren't necessarily that helpful. Um, and so, and one that comes to mind um, is is we have. The, I'm I'm just. Can I read one one paragraph from my yeah. book? Because it's probably going to be more succinct than if I <laughs> try and say it again. Uh, but none of that means that death doesn't hurt. Exactly the opposite. The famous famous words of the Apostle Paul, "Where O death is your sting," often appear without those that precede it which is when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come to pass. So in other words, that like there will be a time when death is no longer accompanied by pain, um, but that time has yet to come. Um, we know that there's a world for us who, who believe in God, and we, we, we have this hope that, you know, that there's a time where there'll be no, no tears um, and there will be no weeping. Uh, but that time isn't isn't yet with us. And, and though we get glimpses of it and can experience that, that, that remarkable power of God and that, and that hope uh, in the midst of death, like it's still going to suck. Like it's still going to be really, really hard. And I think that um, it's actually so important in the healing process and the grieving process to go there and, mm-hmm. and to, and to, and to connect with and entertain the fact that this sucks like it's it is and it doesn't matter whether you know your your child whether your loved one has has been around for for uh three months or 100 years or 103 years as my as my uh, grandma uh grandma now is and she's still not gone um i don't know how long she's going to keep going um but it will still be like it will still be painful when she dies you know because this stuff's hard and i think uh, my mistake or perhaps one of my errors was kind of feeling as though because I had this sense that God was in this and it was under his control that therefore it wasn't uh, it wasn't hard and 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 I perhaps couldn't even let myself entertain the fact that it was hard um, and in doing that I deny myself the reality of the fact that in this world death is painful and there's a journey we have to go on to grieve um, what we've lost um, even if we know that on the other side uh, there is a light that will that, that is shining and will continue to shine. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, look, we we got about four minutes, so I'm so sorry that this is only going to have to sit into four minutes, um, Nick. But, <laughs> oh, my Chris. next my next question is one that um, you know you, you talked about. This is about seven years ago with with Zuzu, and 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 then you've got two other kids since then. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm sure there was remarkable joy as those children came, but um. I personally, I think I would have quite a lot of fear um, mm. as we stepped into that and, and worry and concern. And and yeah. uh, did you, how did you, I suppose, try and, and get to a place where, um, you know, the what the, the what ifs um, didn't mm. overpower the, the actual, just the living and, and getting through it? Yeah. Um, well, uh, there's no easy answer to it, oh, but I, I can give you a short a short one, which is like in the years after between when she died and when our son was born, um, it got um, it got pretty dark. Like I uh, I was I was quite depressed. I, I went through a season of having um, quite serious um, suicidal thoughts, and I never ever thought that that I was there. I thought I thought in some ways, you know, being a Christian means that you're immune from that stuff, but we know that it's not. Um, that doesn't that's not the case. Um, and I'd moved through some of that. Um, but the, by the time that he was, he, uh, that, that we fell pregnant and, and he was due to be born, but it's funny, like, I think what you're kind of touching on is that when you have another child, it's almost like there's great joy in that. Um, but firstly, the child is never, the second child is never going to replace, you know, the one that's lost. Mm. Um, and there's a whole lot of 
almost like re-traumatization that you go through because every experience reminds you of the one before that didn't work out exactly as you wanted it to. And so it was actually, um, it was through that process that I actually developed anxiety, which I think is, we know now, well, a lot of us, those, those who kind of engage with issues of mental health know it's almost like the, the flip side of depression. Um, depression yeah. and anxiety often go side, um, hand in hand. Um, so I am um, eternally grateful for him. He is just the most remarkable um, uh, human and blessing in our life. But, I mean, his, his birth was, and, and the initial couple of years of his life were hard. Um, and it was really only when, I think the critical moment for me uh, came when I finally named and accepted that I was not well. Yeah. Like that I was actually depressed, that I was actually struggling with anxiety. Um, and everything up to that point said, no, don't, don't say that. And, and don't, don't claim that because you're speaking it into being and no, don't go and like, whatever you do, don't go and, and see a doctor or, or, or resort to medication because that means that your faith has failed. That means that your prayers um, for healing and, and for wholeness haven't come through. And if that hasn't come through, then it's you, you know, you're the one who's failed here. And all of that, I thought that was like, I, I, I thought in a twisted way that that was the voice of God, but actually that was the, that was the voice of the devil, like telling me this or, and sometimes it was just my own voice of like doubt and, 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 um, uh, and, and pain, uh, telling me things that were just really unhelpful. And it was, in exactly the opposite. That moment where I actually sat down with my wife and I said, look, I really think I'm depressed. And she said, thank God you said that because mm-hmm. you, I think you are too. And I said, I think I need to, I think I need to get some help for this. And I think I need to, to, to explore taking some medication. And she said, thank God, because that's what I was about to say to you. Um, it was that moment um, that was really transformational for me. And that kind of began the process of like recognizing that um, mental illness and, and, and the process of, of, of healing is complex. There's a spiritual element, but there's a, there's a, um, a biological element, there's a psychological element. And as men, I think we really struggle um, to reach out to each other and to others to ask for help. And particularly as Christian men, I think we have these added layers of like judgment and self-judgment about what it means to actually admit um, that we haven't got it all together. And yet the word tells us that it's in our weakness that we are made strong through him. And, and so it was this thing of actually recognizing it, naming it and being open to getting help and wanting to get well, and wanting to get better. Um, that was the, the critical thing for me in getting to a point now um, where it still hurts, you know, and it's not, and, 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 uh, and I'm not, uh, and, and I still struggle at times, you know, with my mental health. I still take medication every day, but I am just so much better and, and so much, and so much more kind of, um, uh, grateful to and connected to and in love with God as a result of this yeah. crazy but also beautiful journey. Just want to pause for a moment right now as you do wrap up our chat with Nick that if uh, maybe something he's talked about today um, is just ringing with you and you don't have someone to talk about right now, I just encourage you, our, our care line is there for you. Um, there's absolutely no judgment on that. It's just a listening ear. If you just want to talk, they will just listen. If you want someone to pray with you, they'll pray with you. If they want someone to connect in somewhere else, they'll do that. Um, it's just there for you. The number is 9583-2273-9583-CARE. If you use the letter pad on your phone, 9583CARE. I think one of the keys, as you heard Nick just say there, it's about starting with that acknowledgement and that's okay. And then the, the rest of the journey comes from there. Nick, we could talk for hours more. I'm so sorry we have to he- head off to our news now, but we so appreciate 
all of the time that you've given. And, and thank you for this book, Faith, Death and Pills, um, nickmckay.com. I know you're even giving it away for free there as well, Nick, which is quite remarkable what you're doing. So we, we hope that, uh, that for the rest of this journey, as you keep talking and keep sharing, that you'll keep encouraging others. You've certainly done that for us tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you, Clayton. Really appreciate it.